Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Hi there, folks. Happy New Year. I, I keep telling you, folks, that's what it seems like. The day after Labor Day, like New Year's. I said this last week, the week before. I mean, it could be worse. I could be like Jeff Ryman and putting the beginning of summer in the May. Hey, look, look who's back over there. Hello, Amuthan. How are you? Welcome yeah. back. Okay, this was a huge jolt because I didn't even know you were saying this last week. So beginning I said it the week before. Did you? The week before. Oh, yeah. Well, to me, it feels okay. like, because everybody's going back to school, even the weather always feels different. Yes, that's true. I mean, even if it, there aren't any actual differences, which I feel like actually in Toronto there is right now, it feels way colder than last week. Um, but it's it feels different, Kels. Back to school always feels different. Yeah, everything so changes. Everybody you know, returns from vacation yeah. if they've taken that last little bit. And just things speed up. You know, yes. in sports, they'll say when it comes to uh, the, the game is speeding up. That's what it feels like at this time of the year. And everything just jumps into high play. I, I always think of people going to college and university because that is truly night and day. You finish high school and if you go the next uh, semester starting in college or university, boom. Just totally mm-hmm. 100% different. Doesn't even matter what stage, right? Even with work, a lot of people's fiscal years start around this time, That's things right. like that. So no matter what, you're going through some transition or parents, if your kids are going back to school, uh, all kinds of reasons why start of September, especially after Labor Day weekend in Canada, it is a brand new beginning. And in this part of the world, most of the fall fairs jump mm-hmm. into play now, folks. So it really does come in and, and you know, we... we Start getting a little less of the uh, harvest that we've had of fruit and vegetables through the summer. You know, it just starts trickling out, so you're very aware. Also, folks want to, of course, extend our sympathies and concerns for everyone in Saskatchewan, uh, survivors and families and everyone affected, all of us in this country affected uh, by what has happened over the weekend. Our, our sympathies, hearts go out, and, of course, anxious for a brother to be apprehended uh, so that people can 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 stop being so frightened um, concerned and things can get to supporting everybody who has had such great loss all of us have had that loss but nothing like uh, the folks in Saskatchewan um, and please everybody uh, have the best thoughts and prayers uh, for everyone and our feelings are for you going through uh, the pain You're listening to Kelly and Company, and uh, this is what we've got on our program for you today. We're going to talk about the fitness sport pickleball with Francis Wong during our health and wellness segment today. I'm totally looking forward to that conversation, Kels. Also, uh, on that same theme, we're bringing sports today because we missed it yesterday with Labor Day, but Brock Richardson of the Neutral Zone is back to give us that hit. And while we're at it, we'll talk to Jeff Thompson about the Woodworking for the Blind group and a podcasting on woodworking. Folks, we've got an incredibly diverse show for you, so please hang in right to the end when we talk to Jeff in hour two on Kelly and Company. Apple holds its first in-person product launch event tomorrow, and this is since the beginning of the pandemic. Tech enthusiasts from around the world will descend on the company's Cupertino headquarters as Apple is expected to announce a slate of new iPhones and other products. Apple's calling its September event far out. 
The company is expected to announce the iPhone 14 and 14 Pros, which should have the usual upgrades to cameras and battery life. But perhaps the most noticeable change is expected to come to the notch, which may be reduced to a dash and a hole punch, cutting down on its footprint at the top of the screen. Apple's also expected to announce the Apple Watch Series 8 and a refreshed AirPods Pro. Mark Remillard, ABC News. So do you, when you hear them talk about the, the notch, uh-huh. I mean, right off the bat, what? Did, you, did you realize yeah. what that was? <laughs> yeah, I know. No. When they said um, the notch is going to be reduced to a, a hole punch or a dash, I was like, what notch are we even talking about? Uh, but then, yes, they, they described it, the top of your screen, right? Right at the center. Uh, you can feel it, definitely. I have no idea what that's meant for. Isn't that for the earpiece? No. Are Isn't we talking about listen? that? That's what I thought. I no, thought that was like where you listen to sound. We're talking about in the middle of the screen, like on your actual screen, there's a notch. It's like an indented hole feel. Yeah. That, that, that's not At the top on own. the glass. Yeah, on the glass itself. Yeah, the slot-like thing. It looks yeah. like a slot. That's the earpiece. Oh, the earpiece. Oh, sorry. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking you were talking about putting your... No, like actually oh. putting your earphones in. Oh, like oh, 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 no, I no, see no, what you no, mean. No, no. Yeah. Okay, no, yes, no. yes, yes. The earpiece, the, the speaker. Yeah. Uh, it's always blown my mind because that's all it is. And yeah. again, you traditionally, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, folks, to date here, but you know, landline phones, you got the whole, the, the, all the right, little holes right, that right. carry the sound through. Yes. So you think, okay, well, that makes sense that it could come through there and um, it be that size. So interesting to like when you even think of technology to make the sound so pronounced and come through uh-huh. there and fit all heads. I just always stop. Wow. You'd think the slot was to cover, you know, where somebody might hold the phone the way they might do it in their positioning. Yeah. And I wonder, too, how many people actually I have my AirPods in so much because I know this is not for everybody, but I have my earphones and AirPods in so much that I barely ever answer the phone and put the head the, the phone to my ears. Um, Ever. I do it quite a bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I mean, I prefer and you have a landline still. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that because of, like, example, uh, July 8th, Rogers, folks, Mm. Um, so that's why (laughs) I'd prefer if things are going to go down, somebody's got to take the telephone pole down outside. Um, But, yeah, uh, so very interesting to see what comes from that in-person gathering. Also, folks, many pools do this on Labor Day. They pull the people out of the pool. Come on, everybody out of the pool. And let the dogs get in there and take a swim. And, of course, it's a joyous tradition, especially in the state of Maryland. Yes, they play the song. Who let the dogs out? He loves it. Oh, this is her favorite day of the year. It's an event that builds up our excitement. And when it happens, it doesn't disappear. Summer's last dog days, actually just one Labor Day each year. His tail keeps wagging and to the point where it's going to start hurting people. Garrett Park, Maryland, draining its pool of people and letting dogs take a dip. Go get it! It's the last hour of the last day of summer, and dogs get the last lap. <laughs> Andy Field, ABC News, Garrett Park, Maryland. So I really should have done this pre-prep with this and... Asked Matt, asked Jeffrey, would they take part in this? Would this be something you'd let... That yeah. puppy do. Yeah, totally. Uh, doggy pools are a thing, a big thing in parts of the U.S. My friend who lives in California, it, it's a huge culture over there. Uh, in Toronto, with my dog, not so much. You know, if he gets a dog leash-free time at the beach, that's the most he's ever gotten. Does but, he like the water? Will yeah, he get yeah. in there and run and swim? Can oh, he swim? Oh, totally. Yes, he loves it. Yeah. He's half retriever. He loves the water. But um, doggy pool has never been on our radar. So when this Labor Day thing came up, Kels, it was actually my mom. Who's like, are you going to deprive your dog of this? Aren't you going to take him out? And I was like, what? Is this a thing? I had no idea. And was now it done you've in Toronto? It. Uh, yeah, yeah. Parts of Toronto did it too. 
Wow. I know. I wonder how many people, like, like, would you feel comfortable with your dog being in there with other dogs I'm and stuff, you know? I'm curious if non-dog people feel comfortable. Yeah. People who don't have canines, canine yeah. companions. Well, but I think they, like, you, you, people aren't in the pool at the same time. No, right? but still. But you mean just letting them go in. I just wonder, you know, what if they're, with dogs acting up, some being more aggressive than others, you know, getting no. in the pool or dominant, if you want to say. It's got to be like dog park culture where you, as right. a very responsible pet owner, will know if this is for your dog or not. Right. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I guess it's the same as when Rogers Center for the Blue Jay Games would allow dog-friendly days and Mm -hmm. uh, that's all you'd hear you'd listen to the game and all you'd hear is a chorus of barking just (laughs) incredible sound nothing like twenty-five thousand dogs coming up next on the program our weekly vet segment with dr danielle john kind stay tuned When you have some time and maybe have some inquiries about AMI, do it a couple of different ways, folks. Feedback at AMI.ca. You can toss an email over there, and the gang in marketing communications will get back to you. Feedback at AMI.ca. On Twitter, of course, you can venture over and ask questions of AMI audio. You can follow along to see what's coming up on the network, especially during the live show. And that's at AMI audio on Twitter. And also, ladies and gentlemen, we always love to hear your voice. Give us a call, 1-866-509-4545. Leave us a message. Mention that it's for Kelly and Company, if you would. 1-866-509-4545. Please do that because, you know, we won't use your message otherwise. But if we can, we'd love to play it on air for you. And just mention that it's for Kelly and Company. Tuesday edition of the program, I'm Kelly McDonald, Ramya Muthan. That's right, Kels, and it's a Tuesday after Labor Day. We're all getting back to work, getting back to school. Some of us after a whole week off for vacation, and it's just that fresh vibe we were talking about. So let's get into this conversation uh, that's lined up in good theme with our friend Dr. Danielle Jonkind. The human-animal bond plays such an important role in people's lives, and as a veterinarian, it's my privilege to help keep those bonds strong and healthy. I'm Dr. Danielle Jonkine, and welcome to Ask a Veterinarian. Danielle, we know that lots of us integrate dogs into our lives, and sometimes even when we work full-time and have busy social lives of our own, uh, but there's all kinds of strategies for keeping dogs dogs busy and active when the people are unavailable and you know we we schedule these things in to make sure that they're all being taken care of but which approach is best are there benefits and drawbacks to how our dogs spend their time away from their humans we're going to talk about this today with you so let's start with the situations where typically people are leaving their dogs um, when they have to be apart from them Well, um, you know, historically, like, I mean, most dogs were kind of usually left home alone to entertain themselves while their people were out of the house. And of course, a lot of dogs still are. Um, Sometimes they're kind of, you know, left in the house to roam around as they will. And other times, you know, they're confined to a crate or a dog proofed area. Um, If someone was going to be away for an extended period of time, like an overnight or something, they might have a friend or relative take the dog until they could get back. Um, but, you know, in, in more recent decades, you know, a host of other options have become available. Um, there are some jobs where you can actually take your dog to work with you. Um, I know a number of small business owners who actually do that. 
Um, some people also enroll their dogs in doggy daycare. So just like your children, you know, you drop them off for the day and pick them up after work. Um, and another intermediate option, you know, has also become popular and that's to employ a dog walker or a pet sitter. And, you know, they, they come to your house to stay with your dog or someone comes uh, by in the middle of the day to take your dog out for a walk while you're at work. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of um, things that have sort of become a lot more common in uh, in recent years. Yeah. Yeah. We've had recent conversations uh, about having that. And kind of one of the things we had thought at first is, wow, are people trusting? Are they comfortable? But definitely it seems like you do that little pre-interview with the, the dog walking service and yeah, why not? So, when people are going to try to figure out the right option should, you know, for their puppy, what should they do? What things should they consider? Well, you know, just like dogs are individuals and there's no one size fits all, you know, best option for deciding what to right. do with your dog when you're not home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for sure, there are a lot of things to consider, you know, that might influence your decision. So um, one of those being like how long you're out of the house for, um, you know, dogs are social creatures you know it isn't fair to expect them to kind of hang out alone for most of their day almost every day um so if you have a long work shift you know coupled with a significant commute or even if you have extensive after work commitments um you know you might want to think about providing your dog with the social interaction you can't give them uh, while you're working Uh, another thing to consider is your dog's temperament you know a happy-go-lucky, bouncy young dog might really adore going to play all day with their friends at a doggy daycare. Well, you know, an, a different dog who might be more anxious might find that same, you know, option too overwhelming and scary. And, you know, of course, aggressive dogs who are a danger to other dogs shouldn't be put in a situation where they could hurt another dog either. Um Your dog's behavior and comfort level when they're home alone. Um, so some of dogs they adjust really well and don't seem to have any problems with being home alone. And, you know, others will develop behavior problems like separation anxiety or they destroy things from boredom. And, you know, those are, of course, warning signs that maybe being home alone is not really working well for that dog. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need to fix those underlying problems. Um, cost, of course, is another issue that people need to consider. Um, professional services like dog walkers, daycares, and pet sitters cost money, you know, so you have to have the budget for that. Um, and your dog's health, of course, is another factor. So, you know, interacting with a lot of other dogs who they may or may not know, maybe not a good choice for an immunocompromised dog. Um, and some medical problems could limit, you know, what's it advisable for a dog to do as well. You know, some some may be on rest for a lameness issue or have had surgery or something that, you know, may say, OK, we, we should maybe revisit a different option here. Yeah, I mean, really, it, it sounds like we need to assess um, our situations, uh, our dogs and their personalities and everything else in between. So, Danielle, can we talk about the pros and cons of leaving dogs home alone? Sure. Um, You know, as I said before, our dogs are social creatures. Um, And of course, some time alone is fine and is probably even necessary. But, you know, they they do need social interactions to stay healthy. And they can get that from people. um, They can get it from other dogs. But they also need training to learn to live with people in a way that makes them good canine citizens. Um, the, the downside of leaving a dog home alone is, you know, is that they, they don't really have that option of social interaction while they're alone. 
And there's no right answer for the maximum time you can leave a dog alone because it's probably different for every dog, those factors we talked about earlier. Um, but, uh, you know, some warning signs that might tell you, you know, when that you're leaving your dog alone too much would be, you know, excessive barking when you're not there. Um, your neighbors will tell you, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> have faith. Have faith, they shall. Have faith, yeah. Um, that frantic behavior when you leave, you know, or... Um, destructive behavior while you're gone and i'm talking about things like you know chewing shoes ripping open couch cushions um eating drywall hey yeah that was exactly. while we were still there go on <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but while you're still there doesn't necessarily imply a separation problem. yes exactly. <laughs> that's right anxiety it implies exactly or just you know boredom destruction mm -hmm. Um, you might also find your dog might be urinating or defecating the house uh, while you're out, something that they never do when you're home. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, OK, well, I'll just put them in a crate. Well, you know, crating a dog who isn't happy about being home, home alone might stop some of the damage, but it doesn't actually fix the problem. And of course, there are some good things about leaving your dog home alone. Um, they should be safe there. You know, um, you don't need to worry that they might catch an infectious disease or a parasite from other pets. And of course, you know, it's also the least expensive option for people who have cost concerns, too. So... Danielle, when you look at the pros and cons of the opposite strategy, what is it? Doggy daycare? Sure. Uh, you know, there are a lot of positive things about doggy daycare if you choose one that your dog fits in well with. Um, so it's it's good for dogs to be able to socialize with other dogs. Um, for high energy dogs who aren't aggressive, it can also be a great way to burn off all that excess energy. Mm. I know people who swear that doggy daycare saved their relationship with their high energy dog because they dropped off a wound up wing nut in the morning and <laughs> retrieved a tired, content dog who wanted to cuddle on the couch after work at the end of the day, you know. Um, some daycares provide other services as well, like training, you know, some, they, some may administer medication that your dog needs through the day. Um, some do boarding and grooming, which can be extremely convenient. Um, the downside to doggy daycare is that it's kind of like sending your child to kindergarten. You know, if there's any infectious diseases going around, you know, the dogs are more likely to pass them around in a facility where they're all interacting with each other. Um, health issues I see in dogs who have frequent contact with other dogs at places like daycare or dog parks, you know, would be things like conjunctivitis, kennel cough, canine papillomavirus, which causes warts in the mouth and sometimes on the skin too. And of course, the other potential issue is safety. Um, hopefully the daycare has staff who are right in the room with the dogs and are monitoring their interactions with each other. And, you know, hopefully they've assessed the dogs carefully to see who gets along with who and put only dogs who get along together together to play. Um, but, you know, there's still no guarantees. You know, sometimes that can lead to injuries if, um, you know, a fight breaks out or something between the dogs. So then it, this is kind of the follow up then if you're in the considering phases, right, where you're like, you're not really sure if doggy daycare is the answer and um, maybe you're dogs super high energy but you're still um, pretty hesitant what kind of things can we ask the facility about uh, when you're considering whether or not to sign your dog up 
Well, you know, from a medical standpoint, you know, I'd make sure they ask for proof of vaccination from all of the dogs that come in, you know, for um, the basic vaccines, um, distemper uh, combination with Parvo, uh, the rabies vaccine and Bordetella, kennel cough, minimally. Um, I'd also want to know that the dogs are on some kind of parasite prevention program. So they're not bringing, you know, fleas and ticks or inside or contaminating the daycare environment with worm eggs, you know, when they go to the bathroom. Um, They should also have a policy that, you know, if your dog is ill or has a contagious health issue that they can't come to daycare or at least have an isolation facility where um, an ill dog can be kept separate from the other dogs and not be sharing the airspace with them. Um, I'd say also how they handle your dog's behavior is important. You know, I would want to know that the staff have some training or relevant experience, you know, with dog behavior and that someone performs a bit of an evaluation to see how the dog could be integrated into the daycare environment. And, you know, and if that assessment determined that maybe it wasn't such a good idea for that dog that, you know, that they would tell you and that you would respect that opinion and seek another option, you know, something like a pet sitter that comes to your house, for example. Um, I'd also want to take a tour and see for myself that the facility was clean, that it was in good repair, and that the dogs were constantly supervised. You know, they're disinfecting at the end of the day. And, you know, the, the, one of the best things you can do, too, is ask um, for uh, ask other people who've had dogs enrolled there and just mm-hmm. say, you know, how do you like it? You know, um, how, you know, has it been good for you? Has it been a good experience, right. a bad experience, that sort of thing? It's really useful to know. Well, these sound like incredibly important questions to ask and empowering people to do it. Never mind feeling, well, I don't want to be too blunt, too abrupt, uh, be abrupt, be blunt about it and, and ask the questions and, and prying. I would, by the way, by the way you've said it here, Danielle, I think is perfect. Uh, can we talk briefly about pet sitters and dog walkers? Sure. And, you know, these these can also be great options for some dog as well. Um, you know, a midday walk and romp with your dog walker and your canine buddies might be just the break some dogs need to get through a long work day. Um, you know, this is a good option maybe for even a less active dog. Provide some social socialization with a cohort of dogs that are likely the same ones that get walked in a group every day. Um, and that, you know, helps to kind of limit exposure to a wide variety of other dogs and, you know, can lessen the risk of picking up diseases and stuff like that. Um, and again, you know, you'll, you'll want a dog walker who knows through relevant experience or training something about dog behavior. Um, you'll also want to make sure that whatever leash, collar, halter, or harness that, you know, you're asking them to walk your dog with, you want to make sure it's in good repair. Mm. I know lots of dogs that chew their harnesses and leashes and, you know, and they, they're holding on by two little threads and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) You want to make sure that your dog isn't going to get loose. Um, and you know, pet sitters are great, you know, if you're going away and, um, you'd rather leave your dog home instead of boarding them at a boarding facility. Um, and they're also a good option for not leaving your dog alone while you're dealing with a problem like separation anxiety. Um, you know, so those kinds of services, uh, can be really helpful. Um, and even for aggressive dogs, if they're aggressive toward other dogs, you know, and, and they can't be around other dogs, having a pet sitter or a dog walker come in and look after them individually is a great idea. But, you know, just one last thing to consider about these people that come into your home is, you know, um, make sure that you will have to be able to give them access to your home, your your house keys and passwords for your security system or codes, whatever you use. Um, so make sure you're comfortable with their policies on safety and security. Right. 
Okay. Danielle, this is really great information. I think that we covered a lot in terms of options. So thank you so much for bringing this. And next week, oh my God, even more fun. Pet food made with insects used as the protein source. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Can't wait for that one. Everybody's heard about the place it. here in London yeah. that's making uh, that lots of people are having lots of say about it. Oh, and, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. That yes. was Amazing. an interesting article on the news, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it next week, Danielle. Thank you so much. Thanks. Danielle Jeankine joins us on Tuesdays for Ask a Veterinarian, and she'll be back same time next week. We didn't ask her about the doggy swim. Hmm. I know. I wonder it's if she'd be for that. Ooh, wow. Folks, we'll step aside for a moment. When we come back, we're going to talk about pickleball, a fitness sport with Francis Wong. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Kelly and Company. Ramya Muth and Kelly McNall, host of the program. Margaret Weldon dropping us a little bit of an email, Ram. Yes, it was really interesting. We were talking about the pools, the swimming pools, and letting the doggies take a swim on Labor Day. And she was saying that nine pools across Toronto uh, got their got dogs to participate in the doggy pool. And she said the dogs were super happy. Not so much the humans. So we're waiting for an update on why that was. But see, yeah. told you. Especially when they came out and shook off, I guess. Ugh. Plus, you'd start worrying about some of the health <laughs> things. Then after Danielle's segment, I wondered. Folks, appreciate you being back with us. It's time now to jump into the world of health and wellness with Francis Wong. Hello, I'm Francis Wong, and I invite you to join me as we explore topics of health and wellness so that you can make the best choices for you to live an informed and radiant life. Today, we're talking about a fitness sport um, on health and wellness called Pickleball. Now, I've got to say, Francis, when I first heard of it, it's about a strange name for a sport, isn't it? But can we get into a little talk about the sport itself? Yes, Kelly. I guess you could say that with this sport trending recently that apparently I have been living under a rock. Uh, The name itself is a little odd, which we can get into later. But I have to tell you that for a sport that has been around since the 1960s, I had never heard of it until I was at my aunt's place a couple of years ago. And she was mentioning how she had just gotten into it. And I was thinking to myself, like, what is this sport? Like, And to be honest... I assumed it was some kind of a game like lawn bowling. Like, no offense oh. to any seniors. Yeah, my aunt's not even a senior. But um, that was my initial impression when she told me um, that she was playing it at her club. So um, are you uh, less under a rock than I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have yeah. you, you, you've heard of this. And oh, yeah. You, I, lo- I looked you... it up about five, six years ago because I hadn't, like you, where I are now, I had never heard about it. But I heard a documentary, like, you know, like a documentary segment on CBC or somewhere, how it's explained. Yes. And Ramya, have you heard of it before? It's only because it's getting so popular, but I had no clue. I didn't... Other than the name itself sounding kind of funny and interesting, uh, I had no uh, inkling to go actually check out what it is. But this morning when I was talking about the segment, I was told it's like a cross between badminton and tennis and how that's going to be accessible or how that could be made accessible, question mark. So anyways, I'm curious about the 
the sport. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the USA Pickleball Association refers to the game as basically what you said. It's they call it the love child of tennis and badminton with strands of ping pong DNA. So it's a <laughs> mishmash game pulling from tennis, badminton, and table tennis. And I really love the uh, that whole phrase, you know, the slogan of what it is. So why has it become so popular? Uh, well, the the name, um, we can go back to the name. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes to the history of how the game came to be. And that is back to the 1960s, as I said, near Seattle. Um, in this case, the inventors were a couple of men who came home from a summer day of golf to find their kids complaining that they were bored. Like, what's new, right? So <laughs> some things just don't change, right? So Let's just invent a bored. game. <laughs> yeah. Kids being bored. And if they're in a car on a road trip, then they're constantly hearing, are we there yet? So... So one of the fathers, Joel Pritchard, had an old badminton court on his property, but he couldn't find enough badminton rackets for a full game. So he improvised with his spare ping pong paddles and a wiffle ball. And in case you didn't have the opportunity to play with wiffle balls when you were a kid, these are plastic balls that are slightly larger than a tennis ball and they have holes on the surface. So the ball is hollow and super light. Just like our sports drink segment where we were discussing which university came up with the drink first, there's a bit of controversy as to how the pickleball name came to be. Mm. In sailing, the term pickleball is used to refer to the last boat to finish in a race. The game was named by Joel's wife, Joanne, who was previously a competitive rower and said that the game reminded her of the pickle boat in crew where oarsmen (laughs) were chosen from the leftovers of other boats. One article I read said that Joel had actually considered calling the game Tenny Pong, which is a mix of tennis and ping pong. But the other main reason that the media outlets have been pushing incorrectly, I might add, is that the game was named after the family dog Pickles, who would chase after the ball and run away off the court with it. And I guess (laughs) this dog story was more appealing In terms of selling the story. But the truth is that while the Pritchards did have a dog named Pickles, that dog didn't arrive until a couple of years after the game had already been invented. Oh, okay. (laughs) See, I love when we find out, no, 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 the real facts are the dog wasn't even there. Go back to the oarsman uh, picking. Uh, Can we talk about the basic rules of the game? Absolutely. So um, as the Pritchards were playing this game, they started inventing and changing the rules, things like lowering the net and then including a non-volleying section near the net. So the game, as I mentioned earlier, is played on a court, which can be indoors or outdoors. Uh, The court is a badminton-sized court, so 20 feet by 44 feet, and it can be played as singles or doubles. And you might be wondering which team gets to serve first, and the answer is drumroll. It's done through a game of rock, paper, scissors. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. This game just keeps getting better and better. Well, yeah. With an absurd name, you got to have all these absurd rules. Yes. I think that it's appropriate for a game that doesn't seem to take itself too seriously. No kidding. So actually, that's one of the more fun ways that it's decided. Um, Other ways include a rally or a coin toss. And then whoever wins gets to decide whether they want to serve first or have the other team serve. So getting back to the rules, there are five basic rules. And the first rule of pickleball is you don't talk about pickleball. What? Oh. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I was just no, going to say, kidding. how do you do that? Hey, want to play the game? Yeah, let's play the game. Don't use the name. Yeah. yeah. There are already so much yeah. quirks to it. I thought, seriously? Wow. Okay. And certainly don't yeah, call so. it bread and butter pickles. 
<laughs> so the real first rule of serving is that the ball must stay within the bounds of the court. And that's a pretty basic rule, I think. The second rule is that there must be one bounce per side from the initial serve before the teams can volley, which means hitting the ball back and forth without it bouncing. Mm-hmm. So the receiving team must let the ball bounce first before hitting it. And the same for the return from the serving team. So if your ball bounces twice on your side or goes out of bounds, then the ball goes to the other team. The third rule is that the serve must be done at the baseline of the court and from the right side of the court to diagonally cross court. Uh, The ball must be served in an underhanded way with the paddle below the waist. The fourth Mm. rule is that the ball cannot land in the non-volley zone. There is a seven-foot non-volley zone on each side of the net in which the ball cannot touch. And if it does, then the serve is lost. And the last rule is that the game ends at 11 or 15 points. So the game usually finishes at 11 points, but the winning team must win by at least two points. And you only get points when you're serving. So the game can sometimes go up to 15 points. Mm. Okay. I'm curious about the non-volley zone. Do we know, Francis, if there is such thing in uh, badminton or tennis? Tennis? No. I don't I I honestly don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. So that how could it be something do, new? Yeah. Do we know how wide the net actually is supposed to be? The actual well, the legitimate court, net? Uh the court is twenty by forty four. Okay. So yep. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, probably to oh. the edge, but not sure. Yeah. That's so interesting. Why like there's you know, your your quarters, but then there's a whole part where you'll lose it if I guess it's just to make it more uh, and, and I wonder if that has to do with the diagonal serving and everything. That's your Because you're you're kind of aiming for those there, but you can't go in it. Yeah. Let's leave it to mm-hmm. the experts for now. But anyways, so <laughs> why <laughs> back to my question about why it became so popular. Like this is still a, a head scratcher. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a variety of factors. Uh, This racket sport is one of the fastest growing sports in the U.S., according to the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. They've also said that more than half a million people have tried this game since 2020. And I think one reason that it's become really popular is that it was an activity that people could do outdoors during the pandemic. People could create their own bubbles and then play with and against their family members and friends. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that this wasn't already becoming popular. The pandemic just accelerated things. Um, Another reason that pickleball has grown so quickly is the low cost of entry. You really don't need anything other than a pickleball paddle, a ball and a net. And of course, access to a court, which can be done indoors or outdoors. But if you have a flat driveway, you can just mark it off. You know, the boundary is just using chalk. Uh, And yet another reason why the sport has become popular is that it's pretty easy to learn. And some people who have played have said that it's addictive. It's also great for all ages and skill levels. In in fact, you might think that if you're younger, that you would have an advantage over someone more senior. But there have been cases of older people beating younger people because they've been playing a lot longer. It's also really appealing because anyone can play it. And it's a nice way to socialize. But at the same time, you can take it up a few notches by making it very competitive through tournaments. Wow. Okay. And, and that sounds like, a you know, for those who want to do it that way, fun. But the one thing you really like, and some people are really good at taking sports just for what they are, having some fun with them. Some people really get into it no matter what it is. The competitive side comes out. And this sounds like something that even some of those would have trouble because of a certain absurdity and, and the whole creation of it, and let alone the name. But if people wanted to learn more about it, maybe get involved and find out if there's some more of the very more serious groups or more fun and, and maybe age-friendly for themselves, where, where would they go, Francis? 
Uh, yeah, uh, Pickleball Canada has a lot of resources about the sport, how to participate, membership, list of upcoming tournaments, and links to the provincial associations. And just as a side note um, about tournaments, this summer, the 10th Pickleball Canada National Championships was held in Ottawa. Oh. And yeah, <laughs> all of the provinces except for PEI have an, a provincial pickleball association and Yukon Territory also has one. And then once you're in the provincial websites, they should have links to the local clubs near you. Nice. And you should be able to find a pickleball venue in most, if not all provinces, YMCAs, local community rec centers, schools, parks, you know, seniors' residences may have courts. In the U.S. alone, um, the USA Pickleball database has more than 38,000 places to play. And that sounds like a lot, but don't forget that some of these clubs will have more than one court. Right. Okay, so with pickleball being a strange word, let's wrap up with a few other funny pickleball terms. This is a quiz, but your odds are not going to be as good as it will be um, because it is multiple choice questions instead of true and false. Oh, dear. So let's just jump right in. Okay. There are a lot of references to food in this game. The term kitchen refers to A, the area outside the edges of the court. B, the inside area of the court, C, the non-volley zone of the court, or D, none of the above. I'm going to mm. go with B, the inside Me too. area. I think B, because we always say, get in on their kitchen. Mm. Yeah, you guys are wrong. It's actually well, the non-volley zone of the uh, court, so that's seven feet. That, that was our second choice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. The term volley llama refers to A, oh when the goodness. players volley the ball back and forth two or more times. B, when the player hits a volley shot into the non-volley zone. C, when one of the pairs goes um, on each side, go into, the, into a volley with each other and ignore their partners. Or D, when a player hits a volley shot into the net. C? I like C. Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually when the players hit a volley shot into the non-volley zone. So when oh, they're hitting okay. it into the oh. kitchen. Into yeah. yeah, okay. Into yeah. the kitchen. All right. Right. <laughs> okay. The term falafel refers to A, when a ball enters the kitchen. B, going for a social meal after the game. <laughs> C, treating the losing team to falafels after the game. Or D, when the ball falls outside of bounds. Oh, there's uh, no none of the above. I thought somebody was going to be called a falafel. Exactly. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. D, C. Uh uh-uh, uh, it's A. When a ball when a ball enters the kitchen, oh, the non volley zone. That's great, Francis. We are out of time, Francis. Awesome. Thank you for bringing pickleball to us. Uh, Francis Wong joins us bi-weekly to talk wellness opposite our nutrition segment with Julia Karanches. Up next, we'll be talking sports with the man from the neutral zone podcast and of course mornings with Dave Brown Brock Richardson next Canada, find AMI-audio right from your TV. Westman customers, we're on channel uh, on channel 89, folks, and Bell Alliant, channel 66. Visit AMI.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. And I was going to say this a couple times today because I got all the intros for these ones, but Kel's... <laughs> 
We didn't get to chat with our contributors yesterday as it was uh, off Labor Day for us. And so we bring some of them back on for the Tuesday because we want to celebrate back to school with everybody. So let's bring on Brock Richardson for our sports update. As a former athlete, I eat, sleep and breathe everything sports. I'm Brock Richardson. Join me every Monday for your weekly sports highlights and our take on the weekend action. Now, I will also jump in here to suggest that ah, both producers were away last week. So what a nice way to program a show for them. Nice and easy. uh, Just steal all the people from Monday and bring them in. And Richardson, he's over there smiling all the way to the bank. Really, though, the deep, deep reason of it all is because we don't want any of our listeners missing out on the Monday content. So, you know, sprinkle them throughout the week. I know Jeffy silently agrees with me. He's not here. But, sure. Yeah. Right, Brock? <laughs> sure. That's sure. And to the, the point that I, as well. To the point that I'm so accustomed to Kelly bringing me in, I went... Huh? What's, what's going on here? What's going uh, on? What's, what's happening here? But uh, anyway, we'll try to make yeah. you feel better. What? Ha- uh, what's your leadoff item? All right, there we go. Yep. Uh, this is this is one that I saw over the weekend that I kind of have a family connection to this one. So my sister in law, who lives in Florida, uh, messaged us over the weekend and she said, "Have you heard anything on the news?" And I said no and and of course as soon as i said no then everything blew up on facebook right after i said no and what happened in a florida state fair was that a bull got loose from its pen and it ran into the first row of the crowd uh, at this fair and by the time they could wrangle this bull into uh, back under control it actually ran around the entire arena and and went around. It was clearly under some level of distress. Okay. No uh, they they won't say what or why or how, but nobody was injured. And because I can report that Thank nobody goodness. was seriously injured, I can say it was rather, uh, for lack of a better phrase, it was rather scary watching the people scatter from the front row all mm. the way up as high as they could go as this big huge animal is like trying to jump into the row of people and i mean i've been to lots of fairs um when i was younger particularly but i can't imagine sitting in a fair you're like oh this will never happen and then all of a sudden whoa a thousand pound bull decides i'm gonna come out for whatever its reasoning was and run around the whole rink. So that happened over the weekend. And to be honest, uh, I laughed before I uh, composed myself and and said, okay, yeah, this is scary. But, Brocky, are you not thinking of all the times from the past for any kind of shows that you've been to with animals and thinking, oh, my gosh, this could have happened here, there, everywhere? Like, I'm thinking elephants at the uh, African Lion Safari and whales at the marine well even demolition derbies right you know vehicles get hit and people lose control or someone you know what if one of those it's it's, surprising that there were no injuries like even with people on people injuries yeah yeah no and and it is like it was very much a scattered scene i watched it uh just before coming on again for about the uh uh, fourth time but Mm. it just it's 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 kind of amazing that nothing Nothing happened here. And the thing that kind of caught my attention is that I can't imagine being, you know, a person with uh, partial sight or even blind 
not even necessarily realizing that this is going on and all the people that would be scattering and then all of a sudden they're yelling, there's a bull coming, there's a bull. Like, that would just be terrifying. You know, it's terrifying for people who have sight, let alone those of us that don't. And I just, thank goodness there is nothing, you know, terrible to report, but scary, scary scene in Florida for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, got a lot of us overthinking for sure. Um, Let's keep moving to Hockey Canada. You have an update about the leadership? Yes. Uh, So uh, the board of directors came out publicly uh, late Friday and said, even though uh, there's been a lot of pushing to get uh, current president Scott Smith removed uh, from his position, that they would keep him in his position. So lots of uh, stuff would come out of that because they're keeping him in his position. Do you believe this is the right decision? Um, no. I, I think as we reported on this, and I feel like I'm reporting on something regarding this every other week, it feels I think funders have made it very clear that they want to see a change from the top uh, right down. And I think even though Scott Smith has been a uh, person who has taken over in all this. I still think he needs to also be changed. I think the funders will continue to speak loud and clear and say, no, no, unless you make this change, we're still not funding you. Brocky, moving to the Toronto Blue Jays, how did they do this weekend? Uh, very well. Uh, they set up their rotation in such a way where they could have a good weekend. They took... Uh, three games against the Pirates, and then they set up for Jose Barrios and Kevin Gosman to handle the doubleheader. And in this case, the result that they got yesterday and through the weekend is one that you would hope for because the Blue Jays were able to, you know, uh, manipulate, if you can say, their rotation in such a way that um, this could happen. Uh, I-, I will say that Bo Bichette did... Had a wonderful, wonderful weekend, capping it off with uh, three home runs uh, against those Orioles. It was great to see. But again, this is one of those guys that you need to see him continue to build. You need to see him continue to be better at the plate, in the field, all of the above. When you don't do that, he's one of those cogs in the wheel. We've seen him move from like third to sixth all through the season. I would like to see him in one place, either be at the top of the lineup, be in the middle, towards the bottom. But enough with these promises. Oh, we've made promises to Bo to be here. No, no, no. You need to earn your way to the top of the lineup if you want to be there. And so far, he's he's been that way. It's just a matter of keeping things uh, going. Um, let me see. I've got something else. Oh, Ross Stripling, after the, his game against uh, Pittsburgh over the weekend, he said, uh, we need to take care of business against against teams we are better at. We understand we are better than the Baltimore Orioles. I particularly like this, but it's something you need to carry through. You need it's, it's one thing to put it out there, but you need to carry it through and prove to your fans, to the organization, we are a better team. And so far, through the first two games and three through Pittsburgh, they've done that. They just... Need to continue to do it. Need to bring more people around. 
uh, that are left on base. And I think, unfortunately, we're still smarting from the fact that California took three from you. You could compare California to the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates are a worse team. We're scratching by. We are still letting these teams, you know, get leads. And in California's case, keep them. Um, so we need to really let this team has to wake up in September and decide who they are yesterday. Um, the Women's World Hockey Championships wrapped up. How did Canada fare? Yes, well, Canada did very well. Uh, they completed the trifecta, winning the Olympics, the under-18, and the World Championship. Uh, Canadian goaltender Anne-Renée Debian did really, really well. She played really well in the final. Canadian captain Marie-Philippe Poulain had an unbelievable last block shot. This was really amazing to see her do that. I think we're all accustomed to seeing her score the overtime winner, score the golden goals, this sort of thing. But we finally got an opportunity to see her make a defensive play and sacrifice her body in a moment where it needed to be. Because if if her body wasn't there, there was a goal going in the net and we were talking about a tie game and who knows what the case would have been there. But they completed what they needed to. Um, We also need to acknowledge that Hillary Knight has now overtaken the career points of the world championships. She's now at 59, which is now overtaking Dr. Haley Wickenheiser at 56 points. So some really good, uh, really good stats there. The United States was really the, the most complete team. And I really thought they were going to run away with it again for the second time against Canada, but Canada was able to pull it out. So congratulations specifically for the trifecta and winning all three events this year, including the under 18. So, And Brocky, before we let you go, uh, talk about the NFL season that kicks off on Saturday. No, Thursday. There's a pretty big matchup to start off the year. So can you tell us about that? Yes, there is a very big matchup. The LA Rams, who were the Super Bowl championships against champions against the Buffalo Bills. This is going to be an amazing matchup to watch. Josh Allen, this will be his first game for the Buffalo Bills. He did not dress in any of the preseason games. So we'll see if this pays off. I've been kind of on the fence as to whether this is going to pay off because every athlete needs a little bit of time to blow the dust off, if you will. And I wonder if this is going to pay off as rest or if we're going to see him come out in the first quarter a little bit flat. The Super Bowl, the defending Super Bowl champions are a hard team to play right off the beginning. If I was the coaching staff, I wouldn't have done this, but we'll see if it ultimately pays off. Okay. Well, I guess we'll find out. And of course, you'll keep us posted as you're uh, returning next week for a sports update. Enjoy the neutral zone. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Brock Richardson, not usually joining us on a Tuesday, but it's nice to have us uh, have him fill us in on different things, including state fairs. And he'll be back next Monday for our regular sports update. Then on Tuesday, you can hear them on AMI-audio for sure. Looking good. And their video podcast, the first one, will go up next week. Brock will remind us of that when he's with us on the program. In the next hour, however, of our show ahead, Michael Babcock, he joins us to talk about all things tech, including the new Jaws out. We also talk to Jeff Thompson about the woodworking for the blind group. And up next, though, folks, to kick off hour two, we'll check in with community reporter Julie Martin, who has all our news from Pictou County, Nova Scotia. Stand by.
knowing who's in the office just by hearing the typing style on their keyboard. Rough day, Matt? This is Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Hope everything was uh, just the way you wanted to be to round off a summer. Ramya Booth and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of Kelly and Company. Thanks for being with us, folks. Thank you for hanging out and enjoying what's going on on the program. And uh, hope that uh, wherever you are listening in around the world, we're sounding pretty good, folks. Remember, check us out at AMI.ca. Uh, you can listen right there to the mainstream. Or, of course, TuneIn Radio or OO Tunes, for example. Awesome apps to download to your smart device and take in the program. Well, Ram, on Mondays and Tuesdays, of course, yesterday we didn't have a community reporter. We'll have uh, Kim on with us on uh Thursday. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thursday on the program. Um, Kim Hubby, she joins us. But today, we are visiting at the other end of uh, Canada as we uh, check in with one of our community reporters. Julie Martin joins us with news from Pictou County, Nova Scotia. Welcome back to the show, Julie. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well. How are the two of you? Uh, so far, good show at this yeah. point. Uh, what a variety of a show we've got! We've got so much on the program today. What a mixed bag, and it's always wonderful. It is. It is. And we're really That's just mixing Monday and Tuesday's show together, Julie. But yeah. Oh. <laughs> just, just helping the producers no, out, Julie. <laughs> Uh, Let's start with your first item, the Coast Performing Arts Centre on the Road Series, and this is something they're doing this fall. They they are doing it for the next year. Um, They're starting the renovations um, uh, on the the Coast Performing Arts Centre, but they're also adding the Pictou Library to the centre, and that's going to be... A, such a better space for the community at large. Um, so, you know, thanks to the federal and provincial governments, um, we received $8 million a couple oh, of weeks nice. ago. Wow. Yeah. And the rest, the other $2 million was raised by this amazing community. So, yeah. So, anyway, I digress there. Apologies. Um, the, so, the Theatre is actually taking all their shows on the road. They will be still remain in Pictou County, but they will be at different venues because they can't be held while construction is going on. Um, so the one that I... This one really caught my attention because it's billed as a show for all genders. And it's the uh, comic strippers. So I've got my ticket already. <laughs> I'm going. Um, and um, when I looked at at the website and looked at the picture of them, now we all know I have very little vision that's not very useful, um, but I definitely can tell that they're all male because they have pants on and their shirts off. Um I would also go out on a limb and say none of them are going to be hired by the Chippendales. I think it's definitely more about the improv comedy that they bring to the stage. 
So I'm really looking forward to that. It's September 21st at 7.30 and tickets are 34, can't remember, 34 something. Julie, do you know um, if will, will they be doing all their shows from the season at, at, at different locations or will they do one play here, one play there uh, uh, for the next, you know, for their season of, of different productions? Oh, Kelly, thank you for that. I forgot to say where this one is being performed at. This one is performed at the Glasgow Square in New Glasgow. I know that the Wellness Centre, Pictor County Wellness Centre, is another venue. I haven't seen anything that's different than that. Um, but they're going to make sure that all the accessibility features are still there. So the vocal eye will still be available and all that. Yeah, That's tremendous. That is really great. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll put that up on the blog, mi.ca slash kellyco, for those who may want to accompany you and join you for the show. Mm-hmm. I think there's yeah. going to be a lot of volunteers. And speaking of which, um, there's this whole province-wide service going on, Volunteer Nova Scotia. Yes. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is, you know, falls around the corner, um, winter's not far behind, and for most people like myself that, that you know, do struggle with mental wellness um <coughs> excuse me the 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 winters are the worst for sure mm-hmm. um but volunteering really really works regardless of what you do and what i like about this website is not only does it say you know this is all the not-for-profit organizations or you know you can volunteer at a school or a library or at your local hospital um and and it does say the skills, which I think is too strong of a word for a volunteer because a lot of us don't think we have skills mm. until we realize what's needed. Um, I, I like that you can put in what you would like to do as a volunteer. So, I mean, it may be like, for example, I was looking for um, a um, vision mate that would like to help me with my gardening because I found I was pulling up plants as well as weeds so I just needed you know an extra pair of eyes well a pair of eyes um so you know it's things like that that I think and then you know if that was somebody was looking for that they wouldn't necessarily think oh I'd really like to volunteer you you know help somebody to garden they may not think about going to the CNIB Right. Um, I'm volunteering, so I really like the idea that you can put all that information into this website. For sure, Julian. We know as people with disabilities, if you've used any uh, service out there, you mentioned the CNIB, it's a good one because it's so widespread. There's so much volunteer support. Um, We know the importance of people who like dedicate their time um, and and utilize that support for us, right? Like offer that support for us. Um, But also there was one time where I was going over for a gig in Toronto and uh, one of the people who I was chatting with asked me what kind of volunteer volunteer work I do. And I realized that it's so important, that angle of it as well, right? People with disabilities feeling like they can offer volunteering uh, and that they can take part and offer their valuable time and, as you said, maybe skills um, feels like it's not the word that you would use to describe. But, you know, the, the things that you can do well 
and offer it to others as volunteer yeah. service. And it's so huge because, like you're saying, there's so much isolation. Um, fall and winter especially is such a hard time for people to yeah. just convince yourself to get out at all. So this yeah. service province-wide is allowing people the opportunity to engage and say, hey, come to us, tell us what you want to do, and we'll we'll hook you up. Like, we'll partner you with these organizations who need the volunteers. All of us have something we can offer. I couldn't have said it better myself. You're amazing. Thank you for that. It is true. And I, and I, I went through it myself, honestly, this summer when I was asked that question. I thought, hey, how much volunteer work am I doing? Right? And, and do we ask ourselves... Uh, that question, Julie? I I find it... I know that everybody's struggling for volunteers. I really do. Mm-hmm. But I truly believe I get more satisfaction out of volunteering than any job I've ever for sure. had. For sure. Yeah. 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 Anyone who's done it can totally attest to that. Yeah. But it gave me that I didn't feel, I don't feel surplus to requirements anymore because that's how I was feeling as Mm -hmm. a person with a disability was I just felt like I was surplus to requirements. So what was the point to anything? And yet volunteerism, people can always use somebody's support and somebody's help out there. Julie, speaking of support and people out there, let's talk about uh, some virtual events, CNIB ones that are out there. I'm really looking forward to this. CNIB has partnered with the Member 2 um, um, Museum. And um, I'm really sorry, I've got a chest infection right now and I want to cough all the time. Um, so it's, it's discussing myths and legends. So anything that I can learn about the, um, you know, the uh, indigenous community in Nova Scotia, because it's not something that I was really aware of when I lived in, in just outside of Calgary. So anything that I can learn, I'm more than, you know, I'm all over it. So this is really, really um, caught my interest, and I can't wait for this. Our wonderful new employee, Kaylin, is uh, hosting it from the CNIB. And um, it's at 1 p.m. on September 21st. And get a hold of or call your local CNIB or email jeffdeviller at cnib.ca. He will register you and you'll get the information. Or um, another thing that I love about CNIB Nova Scotia is they will call you on your landline and and connect you to the call. (laughs) Excuse me. And um, so, yeah, I'm probably out of time, am I? Almost getting there. but, But what an important and nice informative discussion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing what we don't know about our own country. Uh-huh. And it's just phenomenal. And whether we feel we can do something about some of the, the, the things that have gone on that we're maybe not so happy about, we one thing we can do is celebrate the diversity and some of the history that we have that yeah. most of us don't know. And you know what? It's never too late to, to, to realize how cool so much of this is, how amazing oh, it is, yeah. and to to learn. Julie, as usual, thank you. 
Thank you. Bye, guys. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next month. Uh, Julie Martin is our community reporter in Pictou County, Nova Scotia. We'll put things up on the blog that she's mentioned here at ami.ca slash Kelly Co. And uh, anything that she's put out there, you can grab a hold of if you want to follow up, especially on some of those great items right there. Coming up next, Michael Babcock joins us to talk about all things tech, including new JAWS headed to public beta after this. Another sign of the fall, folks. Time changes, interesting programs that we are launching and things like that on AMI-tv and over here at AMI-audio. The Pulse is airing at a new time starting this week. You can catch The Pulse Thursdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific. And you can also find it on YouTube. This week, Joita speaks to blind fashion designer uh, Patricia Wetter. Uh, who is the creator of Blind Girl Designs. That's The Pulse, Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m., of course, Pacific Time, right here on AMI-audio. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. Here we go with a Tuesday Tech Talk. So much uh, great tech news and updates to come for us right now with Michael Babcock. It's time for Talking Tech with Michael, bringing you a shot of technology news to get your week going with sprinkles of assistive technology. Michael, you're down in the U.S. Are you feeling the back-to-school vibe in Oregon? I am super excited for it. (laughs) Super excited. Uh, I have one boy who is a junior this year, and he's doing freshman orientation today. Yeah. Um, And so he was out of the house at 7 o'clock and gave me a quick little glimpse of what's to come. And then both of them go back to regular school tomorrow. So my freshman and my junior. And, uh, yeah, so super excited about that. Even though they mainly leave me alone, it's I, I love the smell in the air when it's time for back mm-hmm. to school. That's what I mean. Everybody feels it. And honestly, we're going to talk tech and we'll see, too, the, the fall releases and updates. And the, on the grand scheme of tech, it feels like a fresh start. I guess Getting everything ready for school. Yeah. yeah. And, and tomorrow's a big day, as you guys let off at the beginning of the show with Apple's new phone potential. So, That's you know, right. it's it's. I like Kelly's Kelly's uh, relation. Yesterday is almost like New Year. Yep. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys too. Also, is, is it just me or are kids getting an extra day off? Like, not everyone's going back to school today. Some are going back tomorrow. But, but but also, Michael, high schools and that, and uh, what do you call it, public schools in the U.S., mm-hmm. a lot of them have been in school almost a month. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Demasi's right. okay. kids went back to school in the beginning of August, and I'm like, man, I wish that was me. <laughs> <laughs> but the colleges and un- the universities, what they kind of go last week, this week? Is that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That they're similar to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we have different wishes when we're kids about when we go back to school versus when you're parents, right? So. It's putting that on the table, too. That's so. true. Yeah, I couldn't figure out how to get my never-go-back-to-school kind of wish. I know. With, but never happened. Uh, we worked on it so hard, though. Okay, let's talk JAWS 2023. It's going to be in public beta soon. What are some of the new features we can expect? 
Yeah, so some of the features that I go over today, the Freedom Scientific team has said both on FSCast and a clubhouse I just got off of about an hour ago that they want people to know that the features that are released now are not the only features that will be released for the 2023 release. Uh, we're going to talk about the public beta, and the ultimate goal for the public beta is the fact that they want people to give feedback and share what features they would use. And uh, one of the features coming is Smart Glance, and that's for JAWS users. And this will jump focus uh, with JAWS to the place that cited web developers might want to bring attention to. Uh, so if you're a developer, you might change the font of something or put something in bold and not necessarily put that into a heading. So JAWS will use some smarts to be able to determine what is important information to bring audio, bring your attention to. And I'm excited to see if this will improve my uh, checkout process for work because I'm sure there's something there that visually says your total is this and maybe I'll be able to tap the letter Y, which used to work for jumping to the next span element, but tap the letter Y to jump to the next uh, very important element. Hmm. Dell, a computer manufacturer, has drivers called Wave Max. These Wave Max drivers have presented some interesting challenges for people using Eloquent and Vocalizer uh, screen um, synthesizers. And the team at Freedom Scientific and Dell has worked together, and they've come to a conclusion to, to where it appears that there is no longer the uh, overuse of memory that the WaveMax tools have used in the past, and so they fixed that as well. 2023 will also come with ARM support. So if you use some of the convoluted processes that I've experimented with uh, for installing Windows on an M1 or M2 MacBook, you'll also be able to use JAWS on those as well. In addition, uh, other M1 or other ARM-driven processors on uh, Windows computers will also be able to be used with JAWS. Uh, and the software will be smart enough to install the proper version. There's two more real quick features I want to bring up, the first of which is for ZoomText and Fusion users. This will bring what's called Tethered View. So if you're magnified into 4, 5, 6x, if something happens off screen, for example, if you're typing in a search in the start menu and you wouldn't see that because you're magnified too far, you are able now to have JAWS select that information and show it above your magnified screen. So it definitely could be helpful for someone who has uh, those, those uh, tools. And then the last thing I want to mention, uh, the one of the later versions of JAWS 2022 brought the new notification manager. So you can change what notifications are spoken out to you um, and 2023 is going to offer regular expressions for those notification uh, editing, which means you can pull exact information uh, out of the notifications and only hear what's important for you as the end user. And of course, this is just the beginning of what's mm. coming to JAWS. So if you want to get the public beta, how would you get it uh, if I wanted to do that? So they were hoping to have it available today. Right now, uh, something came up on Friday. That's the thing with beta. Be aware that things can change. So the public beta will be available on Freedom Scientific's website later this week or very possibly early next week. And you'll be able to get that public beta by filling out a form at freedomscientific.com and selecting the beta link. And then you'll be able to, to fill out the form and then download the beta software. And you kind of touched on this, Michael, but why might we want to try out the public beta? 
So the team wants to know what is working for people and, of course, what's not working for people. Uh, and, and they'd like to see what beta users want to see prior to the software being released. And the, the public beta is only a certain part of the testing process of the JAWS software. There are private betas that test private beta testers that test things out that the team asked them to do, but having it as a public beta allows the Freedom Scientific team to have JAWS available on multiple different types of computers mm -hmm. to see what works and what doesn't. Okay. Uh, sir, let's move on to this, and this is kind of interesting. Uh, a new resource for Mac accessibility resources was released. What might I find on this? Yeah, so this is very interesting. Uh, it's it's re-sparking re my love for the Mac operating system that I have a love-hate relationship with. The first tool is Indent Beeper. So if you're involved in uh, programming Python or you just need to know when there's an indentation in the text or content that you're reading, you can use this tool to play a beep in order to give you the that indication. There's a tool to quickly translate contents that was last spoken by voiceover or copied to the clipboard. There's a tool on there that will allow you to trigger automation based on system events. So if something happens on your computer, then you can trigger an automation to happen. There's a console for a uh, console based screen reader. So if you're doing a lot of work in terminal or using the console, then this might be something you could use a resource monitor for the Mac, uh, a couple of collection of software for uh, helping you monitor how much resources you're using. And then my favorite one, which is VOCR, which allows a voiceover user to run OCR or optical character recognition on the screen to make inaccessible apps possibly accessible. And that's how I use, uh, thanks to Stephen Scott for the suggestion, that's how I was able to use parallels in order to install Windows 11. And then the, the last one I'll mention is there's a speech history. So you can review the last thing that voiceover said and then copy that contents to your clipboard if you'd like. Wow. Okay, there's so much here that'll uh, help a lot of different people in a lot of different scenarios. How can we access these resources? Yeah, so I'll give the website. It's aaron-gh.github.io slash mac-accessibility. Uh, dash hub and it's available on twitter again that's aaron dash gh dot github dot io slash mac dash accessibility dash hub and you can get all the details over there okay a resource with 10 ai tools was shared on uh, top tech tidbits last week uh, can you review some of these tools yeah, so let's preface this by saying that these are more for ref for informational purposes. Uh, the tools that I tried mm, sometimes had accessibility challenges, so just be conscientious of this. Magic Eraser will allow you to erase the unwanted things from photos. Kind of a little scary if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> use AI from words to create images. I'll talk about that in a moment. AR, AI Writer, which allows you to write stuff by sharing topics of those information. Uh, this person does not exist, which is a very interesting tool. It's an AI that repeatedly generates images of photos of people who don't actually exist. Uh, so very interesting there. And then name links, which will help you with generating domain names and names for businesses if you're looking to start a business. Okay. So you have some experience with using some of these tools. How has that been? 
Yeah, accessibility's been hit and miss with these I tools. So <laughs> uh, the AI to create images from words, uh, my it, it just told me the word that I put in there after I put in the word as the alt text. So there was no automatic alt text. I put in Blind Shell Classic 2, and it showed me images of guitars or parts of guitars or CD players mixed with guitars. Oops. A little bit confused where it got that from. But of course, you know, this, this is more beta software. My little brother helped me with figuring that out and then the uh writing tool ai writer i use an alternative tool called copy.ai and that is you put in some topics and it will generate some text for you to use in your promotional materials i couldn't get the ai writer to work well for me uh for some reason jaws wasn't seeing the edit box i did only spend like 20 minutes with it but there's a lot of work coming in and i will tell you copy.ai does have a free plan as well Mm, nice okay uh, let's talk about an event you're involved in next week as you're holding one next Tuesday about the uh, Blind Shell Classic 2 on Zoom. Tell us about it. Yeah, so for about three months now, every Tuesday, a friend of mine and I host a call at 10 a.m. Pacific time called uh, Unmute Presents. And I tell people, bring your technology questions. We'll at least pretend like we know the answers for you. We figured that uh, we needed some guests. Yeah, exactly. We needed some guest presenters on here. Uh, that way they can come and share information. So every six weeks or so, we're bringing a special guest. Uh, Diane from Un- from Blindshell USA will be coming to answer questions, share information, and go into more detail about Ira, which, for those who are curious, is now available in the app catalog as of yesterday on the Blind Shell. Very cool. Yes, so many uh, great upgrades to the Blind Shell as we keep in touch with them. How can people join? Yeah, so if you want to join, send an email. You don't have to be a member, but send an email to community at acb.org. Let them know that you're interested in the Blind Shell uh, presentation that will be on Tuesday the 13th at, again, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern. I love the buzz you guys and the Double Tap folks are giving uh, Blind Shell, them coming on our show, making time for us to learn so much about it because – I think, and I don't know what you guys feel, but I think that this is this is a device so suited to so many people mm-hmm. who otherwise may not bother, may be mm-hmm. a bit too frightened of technology. It, it definitely is. And and ultimately, really, it comes down to that tactile factor. Yes. Having those physical buttons to push makes a giant difference in people. Yeah. And, and they're... They're continuously adding features and uh, keeping people in the loop on all kinds of things to come and additions. Like you said, Ira's right, you know, on it now. Um, that kind of thing is very promising because we're, you know, some of us might be hesitating thinking, do I want to go for a more simple option? But it's it's up there. Yeah. Awesome, Michael. Yep, it is. You guys have it. a great rest of your show. Thank you. We'll talk to Michael next Monday for our regular Tech Talk. And we'll step aside for just a moment. We'll talk to Jeff Thompson about the Woodworking for the Blind uh, group that's out there and a podcast on woodworking as well. We'll get into that during the woodworking segment next. We talked last week on the show about an incredible barbecue sauce 
which of course is being used for fundraising. Jeff uh, Ryman had a chase for this. It was absolutely a wonderful discussion that you can uh, check out via the podcast. Uh, simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher, and uh, you'll you'll really enjoy that. Uh, we we also brought it up uh, in our cut for time segment. Mm. Uh, the reason I bring this up, though, is last week Jeff was away barbecuing a lot, and he brought up the subject with us earlier today about how you can have just too much food when you're away at a cottage, and it just gets to you. And it's so funny and so appropriate to have that happen at the end of the summer, because then you could legitimately say, I'm done with my summer. I'm ready to go back to work. I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine now. Somebody help me out of this lawn chair, would you? It's so true, though. It's so true. I I, I think that that's so accurate, Kels, because when you spend that last week of summer really vacationing it up right into the long weekend, you you have no excuse. Like, you're good now. I'm way relaxed, way ready to get back to work. Um, And as Jeffy was saying all over our meetings today, yeah, and start to eat healthy. I'm ready for that, too. I guess the smart thing is do the most active ones at the beginning because you've sat around all winter. The spring, sure. you're just dying, dying to get out. Do the active stuff in June, July, in your vacation time, your week and off then or whatever. Down. And then August, make that one the sit there or just you know, wait into the water. Wait your 20 minutes after eating your right, seventh right. meal of the day or whatever and just get in there and then roll back out. Stay in the sun and listen to one of Ryan who he suggested audio books and go to town that way. Yeah. So when work starts in September, managers are all just so happy. Nice to see you back. I'm happy I hope to you're be nice back. And relaxed, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Folks, uh, lots of people like to keep busy doing some hands-on stuff. We like to talk at this point in the month about woodworking. So let's welcome in Jeff Thompson for our woodworking segment. Let's talk wood. We're talking practical and safe woodworking. Hi, I'm Jeff Thompson. Welcome to the Woodpile. You know, it's amazing, Jeff, with um, the internet, online, there's so many people connecting, social media, and you find, oh, you're interested in that? Or, hey, I'm kind of curious. I have a question out there, folks. How do you do this? And there's just more and more resources and almost fine tailored to the things that you might be into. So today on the program, we're talking about the woodworking for the blind group and a podcasting on woodworking. Now, I know you guys do so much with blind abilities and and just are, are out there having those conversations of all kinds, Jeff. Let's first talk a little bit about this particular group, a woodworking for the blind group. What what's What's this all about? Hey Kelly, <clears throat> hey Ram. Hey. Um, uh, I, that's the first time I called you by a nickname, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. That's... I like it. Okay. <laughs> it. It's a great group, Kelly. It's um, it was there when I went looking for it, and I found it. And it's woodworkingfortheblind.org. It's a website, and there's a nice. place where you can link up and get these email conversations, like a group that you know just comes to you and you get to listen to other woodworkers doing woodworking. We started by Larry Martin. He's now passed away, but it's just a great group of people. Mm. Well, it sounds like it's an absolute <clears throat> resource for anybody and everybody. And, you know, we've had conversations with you about such uh, things as, you know, how do we get started? Like, how did you get started, Jeff? And all of these things. So this is a great resource to point to and say, hey, join these people. What kinds of <clears throat> conversations and projects are shared within the group? 
Oh, there's anything and everything. There's over 10,000 different topics on there. They've been going since, I believe, 2008. And it started out with uh, Larry recording. He cited. Now, he was recording articles so the blind could read the magazines, the right. fine woodworking magazines and all that stuff. And he was making them available. So it started like that. And then people started writing articles and stuff. And you can find those on that website. But the big thing is the listserv and you literally have people climbing out of the woodwork to answer these questions. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's just like, like anybody that's working on something, you come to that, that, you know, that YouTube moment or ask a smart device or something. Well, we got this listserv that we just say like, Hey, woodworker, we don't actually say that, but we get on the listserv, ask our question and three or four threads later, you know, they're they're bouncing it around and you come up with some solutions to try. It's just a helpful place to go when you can't find too many other blind woodworkers around. You know, I think one of the things, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, about something like this before we move on. It, it's really, really cool because you have people from different experiences, different likes and dislikes so whatever you might be working on or a project you might be trying somebody else out there has done it you've had people who have seen before have vision have had to come up with ways to do something as they lost their vision and people have been totally blind all their their life who will be able to help those people to say well no try this use your hand this way oh don't get your fit you know whatever it might be there's someone coming from whatever discipline and whatever life experience in in the in the woodworking field Exactly. And what a better resource than someone that's already done it. You know, I say ask questions. Anytime you come across a thing, don't don't try it and fail six times. Just ask questions to see what other, other people have done. They also get together once a year. Well, the pandemic has thrown a wrench into that, like everything else in the world. But they get together and they like 12, 14, 15 of them. I think there's 137 members, but wow. 50, say 15 of them get together and they all stay like in a hotel nearby and they have a wood shop that they go to and they show some techniques, go over some stuff. And it's just a good time to meet up with these people that you've been conversing with. What a cool conference you could run like yeah. that. You know, where people do different demos of things they're doing, applying this or, or creating that. Wow, could you ever have, have fun and then have mm -hmm. a nice picnic at a lumberyard? <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> but Jeff, is there a good mix of people who are, uh, you know, blind or low vision um, and people who are able-bodied sighted who can kind of have conversations with each other? Like, as you said, the, the, just the foundation of the group started off as um, kind of volunteer work, right? Yeah, someone just felt the need to it. I don't know Larry's t total story about how he got started on it, but he, he started doing it. And most for the most part, everyone's either low vision or blind on there. And so the questions you ask have probably been done before. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're a beginner and you want to know where to start, they never step too high on a pedestal. They they're always come right down right right down to the sawdust on the floor with you. Nice. And um you know, just start from the beginning. Start from the, like we did when we first started this. What does a beginner want to use? What does right. someone that's just interested want to do? And that's this is gotta be the most exciting thing. to the newbies that come on because you can take them under your wing and, and you start, I'm sure, seeing questions on the list and oh man, I remember <clears> when I was there. Here, let me help you out. Exactly. 
And that's it, you know, and that's when you're teaching like that, that's when you probably learn the most. <laughs> oh, and man, I think yeah. you've said the exact same thing uh, in past segments for you, right? Like as you're learning, you're teaching and vice versa. So for you, do you have like a role in this group right now and, and or, you know, your own personal takes from it? I listen a lot and something just came up the other day when I was listening to a router bit has a screw if it has a roller on the bottom so it follows the wood and cuts the edge off it so you can just follow right along with it. That screw came out on someone and they spent half a day searching for it on the floor, diving on the And so I had to go over to my sister's and put some tongue and groove together. So I grabbed my little pony router. It's a handheld one. And it had a bearing on the box. I stopped. And I went over to my toolbox, pulled out the little Allen screw wrench, and snugged it up just to make sure. (laughs) Just because I didn't want that to happen. No. So, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's, the listserv is not that busy. Mm -hmm. I call it a listserv, but the group list is not that busy. And it's easy to digest. It's just something that you can take in. You can contribute if you want to. You can take away from it. And it's there for everybody. And every once in a while, there's a question that comes up that, hey, I got that an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think on listservs, that's one of the biggest things that people get concerned being a part of and signing up for because, well, I don't want it to overflow my mailbox. Run, yeah. sorry. No, but at the same time, Kels, because I totally agree, you know, the first thing you think is, well, how much, how many pings don't am I going to get a, a day, right? Yeah. yeah. But also, if you spend half a day trying to find a screw or a nail that just because, you know, you're blind and living alone, that that's why you're having this issue um, and, and your passion is still there, but it's exhausting exhausting the probably the most comforting thing is to go into a group like this where everybody else can understand you know as you tell yeah. the story jeff i'm going oh yeah you know i did that like last week not with this group but you know what i mean how did so, he find it did he did he was there any follow-up did he have to go around crawling out with a magnet and put reaching out like what, what did he do what did he do or the person I don't know. Say he, he, didn't, didn't he didn't come back onto the list until he <laughs> said it. And everybody else says, I've been there. And some yeah. people said, only, it only took you half a day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, you're all right. How many um, abandoned projects because you've lost your piece? Anything else off the website itself you want to tell us before we move on? It's just a great resource. You can go in there and hunt around. And it's not busy and it's easy to navigate. There's a search. You can drop in searches and all that um, there's articles if you just want to read some stuff. It's There's a lot of stuff there. Awesome. So, Jeff, what other places are you finding out about for woodworking uh, support resources and, you know, just the collaboration with other people like yourselves? Well, I think unless you frequent a lumber shop, and I just found one right down the road from me. It's been there for years, and but I never went back in this one section. Um, lumber shops, if they have, uh, I, I wouldn't call them exotic woods, but... If they do have that, that opens up the window for a lot of conversations when you get to talk to the guys there. Um, but podcasts, there's three podcasts that I follow, and Shop Top Live is one of them, Fine Woodworking. It's just conversations about the wood. You know, it, it, you're not going to get audio description in a sense, but it's a podcast that lends to good descriptions because there's no video going along with it. And they talk about... Uh, projects that they're doing or tools that have come out. Um, there's the Woodshop Life podcast, and they do about the same thing, but it's conversations between woodworkers. And, you know, I think some of the things is like everybody wants to get a new tool or something. Yeah. So you can dive into these and see what the title is and go look at the show notes and listen while you're out there doing something um, and have it as background music. 
And then there's Shannon's um, Lumber Industry Network. Um, that podcast, he he kind of looks at the industry as a whole. And, you know, during this pandemic, when the prices went skyrocketed, like triple the price of everything and everything, he kind of covers little stories like that all across the nation, why your prices are, or what woods are really good. Mm-hmm. He's got a great depth of knowledge on stuff. So he might break off into some Spanish mahogany that you might want to line something for your cigars or something, you know. Mm. See, that's what I think would be fantastic to know about, would and be big question, especially if someone's never, even on your list, sir, if they're not worked with a, a certain kind of wood and what are the pitfalls, what are the benefits, what what should or shouldn't do. I think that's neat. But are there, have you heard of a lot of, and I hesitate because I'm not going to suggest for a moment, oh, woodworking, it's so much of a solitary kind of hobby. But do you find that something like this, there seems to be more of that conversation than, than gang getting together on a Saturday afternoon, which is vital working on wood time, um, you know, for coffee, you know, monthly or something like that? Have you ran into any groups like that, whether you would or wouldn't, you know, want, feel comfortable to go and sit there around with them and chat? Is is that something pretty prominent that you're seeing or mainly or, or really not seeing? I haven't seen groups gathering like that type of chat, but on this list, if if it gets like seven or nine threads deep, it's probably solved or something like that. But every once in a while, they do open up and have conversations that are more open. And it almost feels like go get your coffee and get on the list and see what questions you haven't, you know, dove into or if you want to learn about and stuff like that. But locally around here, I don't know too many woodworkers that can locally meet up and stuff. So mm-hmm. this is the next best thing. And then I, I used to teach out at um, San Francisco Lighthouse up in Beater Mountain, and they held it twice there. They held the big meeting there, so I got to attend those two times and actually teach at one of them. Um, I had to leave early for the second one, but it was just a great experience because here's here's Bob, here's George, or here's Janine. You know, these people show up, and it's like, wow, it's yeah. them. Yeah, as an amateur radio operator, I know when I was very active, those conventions and conferences and gatherings, and, and granted, they were for everyone, but there were so many white caners out there using it, as, as they use the term, um, the hobby, it was so wonderful. So I, I liken it to that, or when you hear of the guide dog schools getting together um, mm-hmm. and having their conferences, and somebody comes from one of the schools to, to teach something, to show something, to share, I, I liken it to something like that. Well, yeah, and th- there's no organization divisions or anything like that. It's just people right. who just like interested woodworking. People. Yeah, and yeah. and you don't want it to feel segregated, if you will, right? Like because you're a blind woodworker, um, it doesn't mean that you don't want to feel welcomed at able-bodied conferences or, like you said, these podcasts that you're listening to where it's not necessarily catered to the, the blind community or blind wood, woodworking particularly, but um, you still want to feel like you can take away information and you can still get excited about it listening to other mm-hmm. people talk. Well, this one gal showed up and she raises bees, um, which to me is like, why? <laughs> I, I, I understand why people do it, but it's like, just gives me the, ooh, you know, like, and she wanted to make a case out of cedar that she could, she, she wanted something natural. So it made a case out of that she has to carry her, there's a torch that they smoke things out with and there's tools that she brings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I got to learn while we're working, I got to learn about, you know, nine cases high, you know, the trays that they put in. Oh, just interesting people. A lot yeah. of good people. And it, uh, 
helps your, the wheels turn as well for you. You know, you're thinking, oh, how's she going to do that? Or how would I do it? Right. That kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're almost contributing to the conversation also. Yeah, you're pulling that memory bubble, that thought bubble out of the sky and trying to put it down on on the paper in a sense. Tactile paper. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. That's awesome. I mean, these are really great uh, opportunities, Jeff. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. Thank you, guys. Jeff Thompson joins us uh, once a month on the program, ladies and gentlemen. And he was talking to us about the Woodworking for the Blind group. Uh, and podcasts on woodworking that people can indulge in, listen, and and get a lot out of by the sounds of it, including the listserv over there off of the website. Mm-hmm. We talk woodworking on the first Tuesday of the month with uh, Jeff Thompson. Next month, he wants to get into the subject of affordable wood flooring and installation of that. So really cool talk today. Really informative, Ramya, and uh, really wonderful that he's had the experience of being there to, to sit down with the group and also to uh, lend his talents and teaching. We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, Paul Daniel will join us. He'll let us know what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown over there on AMI-tv. That conversation with him and more, and we'll preview our show up after this. Remember, with the new AMI-audio schedule, Kelly and Company is repeated. It is, really, at 10 p.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Eastern Time. You can check us out uh, on the network if you can't be here for the 2 p.m. program. sure it probably shocked a few people. I apologize, too, because I, I meant to mention that last week and get that in a couple of times before it happened. Uh, Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the show. And by chance, if those times don't work for you folks, check out the Kelly and Company podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher to Kelly and Company. We'd appreciate a rating and review if you can give it to us. You can listen to the show in segment form or the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience where we even include an audio vanity card. Rum, segment that you want to shout out today. All the way near the beginning of the show, we talked to Dr. Danielle Jonkind on leaving our dogs at home. Uh, you know, we were probably getting back to the office or kids getting going back to school. In any case, um, a lot of people are facing this this challenge of leaving your dogs at home for long periods of time, potentially daily. Um, and she gave us a lot of options, Kels, because this can be a real tricky situation for people just deciding on what the best scenario is. Yeah. Uh, you know, wh- whether or not you should leave your dog at home alone for an extended amount of time or consider a doggy daycare or maybe a pet sitter, dog walker, this kind of thing. Um, but really, she broke down the pros and cons of all the options, plus the the consideration of the type of um, dog you have and the pros and cons of each scenario based on that. So I think it was just a lot of great information to consider. Um, I definitely took away a lot from it, especially considering um, the, the doggy daycare. So appreciated that one. I like the fact that she really empowered people, really mm-hmm. told you, ask these questions, go out there. And I think maybe some people, it's one thing if you're you're taking your child to a daycare, you're going to ask all sorts of questions, right. same kind of care, concerns, and aggressiveness in asking to get the answers you need to know. She really pushed that. 
forward. Folks, I also just really, for me, the whole show, uh, really great. We had a real variety today on the program as we moved some of our Monday contributors over to today. Uh, we were all over the map, uh, kind of the definition of what Kelly and Company is. So I uh, definitely suggest checking out the podcast if you missed any of it. Like to welcome in Paul Daniel. He's back from uh, being on vacation to join us as well to give us an idea what now with Dave Brown uh, viewed on AMI TV starting at 9 a.m. in the morning, what they have on the program tomorrow. Hi, sir. Welcome back. Hey, thanks, Kelly. Uh, tomorrow's show, uh, as you know, Kelly, uh, for all of us, it's been a time of transition uh, with um, bringing on new people to our programs. And tomorrow we'll speak to one a new addition to the uh, now group of contributors. His name is John Lofke. Journalist John Lofke tells us what he's doing and what, he, what, we, what, what we can expect to find from him in the, in the future. Nice. And today is, yeah, today is the first day of school, Kelly, for many children across the country. And that first week of school can be a difficult transition for children and their parents adjusting to a new schedule. So Kelly Ron Johnson will tell us about some of the some of the stresses and what can be done to overcome those stresses. Very good. And Derek, yes, and Derek Lackey, our community reporter in Winnipeg, Manitoba, will tell us about the upcoming CNE Orient CNIB. So I said CNE. See, they're oh, on vacation. CNE on the mind. Uh, I know too, too much. Too much of the ice cream waffles. Uh, tell us about the upcoming CNIB Orient CNIB orientation session about the rights of guide dogs and their handlers. Nice. Very very nice. Okay, so you kind of opened it. I was going to ask you the unique food you had at the CNE. I know it was uh, ice cream waffles. No, 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 hey, that's, that's unique that's enough for me. Uh, I did try. I did try the deep fried Mars bar. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Not for the but, first time though. And also a ten dollar grilled cheese sandwich. It was fantastic. Mm. What made it ten dollars? Uh, the guy said, uh, "I'll take ten dollars." What are you talking about? It. That's the cheapest thing on the menu. I know. I was a guy <laughs> exactly. said, "It's ten dollars." That's why it's ten dollars. Mediterranean. They added uh, uh, truffles to it. It was, it was fantastic. It was exquisite. Mm. Thanks. Oh my god. Appreciate it, Paul. Take care. Yeah, make me hungry. There he goes. Uh, I like the ice cream waffles, but it has to be vanilla. Used to have them at in the summertime at Ontario Place. Oh, Rum. okay. We'll catch you tomorrow on the program at 2 p.m. when we're back. Sounds like a plan, kills. Folks, on that show, Jeff Ryman will kick us off with the latest health headlines. The new television season is here. Greg David fills us in on new and returning shows to the History Channel, CBC, and AMI-TV. Also on the program, Ryan Delahanty features this year's over-the-edge CNIAB fundraiser taking place in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We have the Wednesday edition of The Buzz with Margaret Weldon filling in for Billy. Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession is with us tomorrow, brings us some safe... Uh, cooking techniques in the kitchen for the blind and low vision cook. We get into it tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern, folks. Talk to you then. Fedora's off to you. Now with technology, there's so much you can do for one's sound. You can just make sure that microphone is uh, facing you, depending on if it's that omnidirectional and gives you that wonderful presence right up front. But I remember when we had a control where we could switch it to sharp. And that would get you all your highs in your voice. Didn't mean you didn't have bass. Then it was kind of a mid-range on some of the microphones. And then the last one was muddy. So you might sound a little more like that. Not so much muffled. I, I don't mean to 
suggests that it muffled you as much as took the highs away, which to some people's ears may have made it sound a little mm, muddy. <laughs> um, of course, being the big voice, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm supposed to sound muddy. So I did some things like that. And people would ask, what's wrong with you? You sound weird, like something's in front of you when you speak or something's missing. And then I'd put it mid-range. Uh, I think I jump right to sharp, panicking first. And, oh, but for me, and I sounded too much like I was a little higher up like that without any bass. So then middle of the grain. Now, so many microphones now, the quality, it deals with that range so you don't have to fiddle around. You just have to make sure you're talking into it. Again, lots of people have different preference. And with digital sound now, uh, you can be set so that there's a setting for you and when you're recording, when you're on air, boom, that's just punched into. And when your voice goes through, it comes out the way with the best effect on it for the, your sound. And that, for so many people, if used right, and, and I know Matt Agnew over the years of working on the show has, has really set our voices to give you that constant sound that you're used to. Uh, and so far, when I've met people, I haven't got the... Wait a minute. You're not Kelly McDonald. Like, he sounds totally different. The only time I generally get that is if I have a cold. And then people often say, man, your voice is nice. You should keep that cold. 